you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. Ken also has owned his own construction company for over 30 years. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt, along with Ken Patterson. He is Ken the Contractor, and he's here weekends at this time taking questions about your home inside or out. A house is what you build. A home is what you make it. Maybe you've got a project for this weekend you need a little bit of help, a little bit of advice on. Ken is here to help you. Don't forget, you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And you can always email him questions at kenthecontractor.com. As we move through life from day to day, we find that there are new words and there are new meanings. And that holds true in the construction industry. Whether you're remodeling or you're building new, there are phrases that many of us may not understand. I want to talk about one today that really affects all of us and how we live in our home, not only today, but perhaps even tomorrow. And that's a catchphrase or a word that particularly are two words that are being used commonly today in the residential world, and that's universal living. Now, a lot of us may understand universal living in a slightly different manner that I'm going to talk about it, but this comes out of something that many of us do know, and that is the ADA Act or Americans with Disability Act that the U.S. government passed many years ago. And the intent there was to make commercial and business locations accessible to all parties, regardless of age, regardless of disability, whether it was physical, uh, whether it was uh, something that was uh, temporary, whether it was permanent. And what has happened, what we have seen happen, is a huge demand for these similar features in our homes. And the home building industry, architects, engineers, designers, are starting to cater to us. As opposed to using the phrase ADA, we are seeing the phrase used commonly today, universal living. Now, this means also the same as accessible living, barrier-free living, barrier-free access into our homes. And for many of you saying, well, you know, I don't have a physical disability and I don't have a relative that does, I really can't see the benefit in incorporating some of these items. When I get through with this segment, you're going to understand that it has nothing to do with just disabilities. It has to do with living in an easier fashion within our homes. Let's start with a few items that I, I want you to make note of, or you can go to the website later, KenTheContractor.com, and you'll find this information in uh, two different forms, both in written form as well as in our audio form. One, if you're thinking about renovating your home, even if it's a simple facelift uh, to a particular room, you're going to replace some door hardware. You're going to replace light switches, some things just to change the style or to freshen it up a little bit. I want you to think about something as simple as using lever handle locks on your doors as opposed to knobs. Now, a lot of people would say, you know, that's great if I have a physical disability. It's easier for me to grasp. Perhaps I can't uh, hang on to a round doorknob easily, but that handle makes it easy. For those that do not have disabilities, and I put these in my own home and the homes that I have built for so many others out there, you'll find it's simply uh, it's just a wonderful op- uh, access feature, if you will, to be able to 
get into that room when your hands are full. You're not having to reach down, put things down to grab that knob. It's also quite stylish. Companies like Schlage are producing dozens of styles with trim rings out there today that allow you to do something that's a little different than what everybody else does in terms of the tracked homes or the tracked building that's out there. So, it's again, it's not all about physical disabilities, but it's making things easier. The other thing we're seeing more and more people do in renovation work is consider ramps. If they're building decks today, they're finding ramps from either from uh, steps up into the house or from a, uh, instead of steps or ramp to a deck proper, if you will, makes it much easier when, again, you are trying to move either equipment, tables, chairs, you're trying to get something in or out of the house, you have your arms full. It's not just about wheelchair access, and that's where most people think about it when they think about ramps or thinking about wheelchair access. So this is why the phrase has been coined universal living because it applies to all of us it's not just a particular segment of the population so if you're thinking about remodeling many items that can come to bear that do not break anybody's budget and again i talked about lever handle hardware's hardware a moment ago even grab bars just to make you more stable perhaps if you're in a shower environment uh, roll out cabinet shelves. We've installed dozens of these over the years, and that just makes it easier to use your kitchen, even areas in your bathroom. Instead of having to get on your hands and knees and dig around for something you may have stored in the back, you simply roll out that shelf. And if these are retrofit items. They mount in existing cabinets. You don't have to butcher the existing cabinets or modify them in any substantial way. Little things can go a long way to creating that universal living for you and others in and around your home. Now, If you're dealing with new construction in the near future, you're putting on an addition or you have a new home in the design stage, be sure and talk to your architect, your designer, or your builder, not only about universal or accessible living features that can be incorporated in the house on the front side that in most cases are no additional cost, cost you money to come back and retrofit, but on the front side, no additional cost or minimal additional cost. One example would be many builders like using uh, door widths that are 2628, that's uh, 2 feet 6 inches, 2 feet 8 inches going into bedrooms. Do you realize if you go to a 3 foot wide door, in most cases that may only be 10 to 15 dollars per door more, but all of a sudden it makes it so much easier to get that king size bed, that headboard, that dresser, those nightstands in, a piano that you may have to get from one room to another. All of a sudden, your life becomes easier, and at the same time, you've got a clear door width that will work for somebody that might be on a walker. How about temporarily on crutches or maybe one of your loved ones that's in a wheelchair? Now that house is accessible from room to room, and you've only spent $10, $15 per door. Also think a little bit about light switches. I mentioned a moment ago on retrofit, but to go into that in detail, the traditional rocker switch is awfully difficult for a lot of people to manage. Secondly, it's cumbersome, again, if you've got your arms filled with something. The switches that are on the market today are a switch that you push top and bottom. You can reach up and, and push it with your elbow and turn it off and on. Very easy to accommodate, easy to work with. Again, does not break anybody's uh, bank account. So it's not, and it's something that a lot of people can change out on their own if they have just a little bit of electrical skill set about them. When you're dealing with plumbing fixtures, think single lever handles for the same reasons I just talked about. Easy to deal with, and. In addition to maintenance, you might want to think a little bit about smooth surface flooring as opposed to carpet. Carpet in the building industry, while there are tens of thousands of yards being installed year yearly, we're finding a higher percentage of flooring going to solid surface, going to hardwood, going to laminate, going to ceramic tile. So those are some, some things you need to keep in mind that are not only helpful from a maintenance standpoint, but also allows others in your household, including those that may be just friends and neighbors, that now you're preventing them from being there 
this will accommodate them. It's going to make your life easier going forward. Not only that, but can you remember a project where someone came back and said, gee, I wish we had made this just a little bit smaller here, a little bit smaller there. Almost every time I hear people who have those regrets, it's that they didn't make the hallways a little wider, the doorways a little wider, maybe change the the stairway so that, that it wasn't as difficult to challenge or put in some of these elements that you talked about. And I think you'll attest to the fact, if you have to go back and put these in later, it's going to cost you a whole lot more than if you do it up front. The $15 I talked about by going to a three-foot-wide door instead of a 2-8 door may cost you 150 to $250 to do it on a retrofit. You see what a bargain that is. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also email your questions to Ken online at KenTheContractor.com. Ken the Contractor is on the air, ready to take your calls, questions, and comments. Uh, you can be part of the program by picking up the phone, 800-614-2975. But also, folks, forward us questions while the program's going on through our website, KenTheContractor.com. Ken, you've got one of those from Northern Virginia. Yeah, I do. I have one here from uh, Ken in Fairfax Station, Virginia, and he has an HVAC furnace problem. He says, our furnace in the basement has a humidifier attached. Previously, water would leak from the furnace when the humidifier was on. It turned out that the drain line that comes out of the condenser was clogged. I redid the entire drain system with new PVC to the floor drain, and I routed the drain line from the humidifier separately from the furnace drain. So now he's got two independent drains. It was previously connected together, as as I just said. Uh, He goes on to say, let me skip down here. He says, However, we still get leakage from the furnace when the humidifier is operating for a while. Could the condenser, which he thinks is what line, be clogged? Uh, any ideas? says, thanks for help. We listen to your program on my iPod and really enjoy your practical solutions. Thanks for the help. Well, Ken, I hope I've got some help for you today. You've taken the right steps to try and resolve this problem. In many cases, humidifiers, which will have a constant flow of water in them during the cooler months when you want to add humidity to the air. That water may be, uh, that it may have been piped initially to drain through the drain line from the air handler proper. And I tell folks this regardless of the season, that that air handler and those of you that have a gas-fired furnace, even in the winter months, that will discharge water. If you've got a gas-fired furnace, the byproduct of burning that or combustion is actually liquid. So you need that drain line happens to be needs to be active and open during the winter months. The same holds true with a humidifier. In most cases, we want to see installers put in a separate line for the humidifier, a separate collection point that's different from the actual air handler itself. But in both cases, these lines can become clogged up. Not only do you get critters like spiders that will bid webs in them, you get dirt daubers at the end of them, you get mold that will develop in some cases in them and clog them up. So they do need to be flushed out periodically. I think, Ken, probably in your case, the fact that you're still getting a small amount of water is indicative to me of two different things. And uh, one would be that either the the pan itself under the air handler has a hole in it, and this can occur, especially if a lot of water has been standing in it for a long period of time. You may want to check that. The other would be perhaps the fitting that comes out of that pan is allowing water to leak from around it. And those are the two things I think would be common that I would be checking first, one, to be sure there's no hole in the pan, 
uh, that the water, the condensate tends to collect in from the air handler, and two, that the discharge line is sealed tightly so that water can flow through the pipe and not drip, 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 or have that small leak on occasion. Take a look at that. See if that helps. If not, send me another email. Ken, we appreciate you listening. And, again, you can forward us emails to KenTheContractor.com or give us a call at 800-614-2975. Since we're talking about furnaces, I know we've got another email, Ken, from Harold, who has got a question that's becoming one that you're getting more and more of. It's about replacing possible home heating elements. And in this case, sounds like he wants to replace a propane furnace. Well, a lot of us have to make tough decisions on, one, how we spend our money, and two, where we get the biggest bang for it. And Harold's question is, or his comment, he says, our old propane furnace has just about had it, and we want your advice on a new one. The cost of propane is going through the roof, and with future costs in mind, what's the best way to go? Well, Harold, I can't give you a specific direction, but I'm going to give you some advice and things to look at here. First off, propane, any fuel, gasoline, diesel, we know that this is an international commodity, and politics, everything else has a role in where those numbers are. What we do know is that they don't typically come down to a point that we can say they're cheaper than they were a year ago, two years, five years ago. Things steadily rise. Good thing about some of the gas-fired equipment is that the efficiency level continues to increase. So if you have, as you say, an old propane furnace, it may be 70, 72, 75% efficient. So I don't want you to write off using propane as your heat source right now. What I want you to do is look at what's available in the marketplace that would fit in the area you have for a new furnace, that would work with the power supply because you need at least 110 to power the fan and so forth on these, And I want you to see what's available. You're going to find that there are uh, furnaces that are propane-fired that are going to be well into the 90% efficient range, 90, 92, 95, even a little more in terms of their efficiency rating, which means that as the fuel cost itself becomes higher, the unit is so much more efficient that it actually costs you less with a new piece of equipment to heat your home today than maybe five years ago, seven years ago. That doesn't stop the fact or or avoid the fact that propane is continuing to increase. You can't control it, but what you can do is determine how efficient that propane is being burnt, how many BTUs per pound or gallon you're getting out of that, and how much heat's going into your home. So I want you to think about that. Now, second to that, you can look at alternative heat, whether it's oil heat, whether you're looking at electric heat, a heat pump system, or whether you're looking geothermal. There's so many other heat sources that are out there. But the least impact on your current infrastructure, meaning your sewer, your water, your electric, perhaps even the space that this goes in, would be to try and replace that with a like unit, investigate all the others, satisfy yourself of the efficiency and the overall cost before you make a final decision. But I think you'll find that a propane unit, Today's modern equipment will do a very good job for less operating cost for you. You know, and, and that is one of the interesting elements, and it's not necessarily – in some cases, it is the fuel. Uh, and, and I know this is the, the issue that a lot of folks are, are tackling with the rising cost of home heating oil in particular cases. You can get an exceedingly efficient uh, oil burner. And you're still paying a lot of money for that price of oil because, as you mentioned, the forces that that cause it to fluctuate uh, from time to time. But propane is one that I'm seeing more and more people turning to propane, if not for their furnace, 
they're using it for heating their hot water in ways that you've talked about in the past, and that is regulating the amount of water you need to heat and don't necessarily spend that time heating hot water when you're not going to use it. Well, that's because there's so many of these devices today, appliances that are instant. We're an instant society, and so whether we're talking about instant hot water that we're not having to heat either with electricity or gas 24 hours a day, uh, we can flip a switch, we can turn on the uh, the faucet, and instantly that water is there when we don't need it. It goes away. We're not consuming energy. The same holds true when it comes to air conditioning and heating in our homes. The technology is there that allows us to heat just the spaces that we want from the same unit and save money by not having it fully fired, if you will, if it's gas, all day long. Hot water circulating systems. So many of these are available out there today. And this reason I can't give an individual a specific answer, but I can tell you, Think about what you'd like to see and investigate those options and look at your lifestyle. If you've got a house full of kids or coming and going, different schedules all day long, it may not be right for you to say, I want something that's just heating or cooling part of the day, just like the water heater. Maybe you need it around the clock, at least during the waking hours of the day. And for some of us, like my wife and I, there's just two of us in the home, and we tend to be places together. There are hours during the day that everything can be turned off. Why should we be consuming that particular energy? And so for Harold, again, I want to suggest that you take a look at your options, spend your money wisely, always take multiple bids so that you know that you're getting the same thing for the best possible price. And the other thing, and you have to take this into account, depending on where you're listening to us, the price for certain types of energy is cheaper in different portions of the country than it is in others. In some cases today, natural gas, if it's available to you, is a bargain, especially compared to propane, but maybe not for home heating oil and other places, just the other way around. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends answering questions about your home inside and out. The number to dial if you have a question for Ken, one 800 614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. Time now for our app of the week. Ken scours around to find these things that are interesting. Sometimes they relate directly to home improvement, remodeling, building, things like that. Sometimes they're just fun little things that can improve the quality of your life or make it a little more interesting. I think today's app happens to be one that for many of us would be one of those fun little things you talk about. At the same time, extremely useful, especially if you're in the process or contemplating a remodel, new construction, uh, an addition to your home. It doesn't matter. This is something that will be great for you to work with and it's an app for your smartphone that's called dropbox d-r-o-p-b-o-x now this has been around for probably a year or so for your desktop computer but just recently they released a version for your smartphone and i will tell you i happen to use this and what dropbox does is allow you to upload very large files that are difficult for you to receive on iphone in some cases even your desktop computer it also allows you to invite users and i said that's right correct invite users it's not a public file to download certain files that you have there. Now, where this comes in handy, especially for folks like me in the building industry, is uploading large files that deal with AutoCAD drawings, for example, or any other type of CAD-based drawing, specifications, material spec sheets, MSDS sheets, all of those items for your new home, for your renovation, and just for some components. If it's just a matter of looking at carpet samples you and so forth that you want to see online or share with others. So go to Dropbox, D-R-O-P-B-O-X, and upload that to your smartphone, you will be able to not only send pictures 
to others, but also your architectural drawings, back and forth from you, your architect, your builder, and maybe your code official. You'll find it a very handy app. And if you have a question for Ken, you can email him questions at KenTheContractor.com or you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones right now. Joining us is Patricia. Hi, Patricia. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Okay. I've got Pella doors, big um, eight-foot-wide sliding Pella doors, and they are They've been here for a number of many years, 30 years, this, we built this house. But they're not rolling well. They're too hard to push. And I've put um, lubricant in the track, and I think I need to call someone. I think they can be uh, – maybe I need new rollers. I don't know. Well, you, you, you may have be on the right track. I'll put it like that as far as your thinking goes. Pella happens to be a, a well-known product. They also produce a door that has multiple adjustment functions to it, and that includes the rollers. Uh, fortunately, this is a good brand with multiple adjustments, and if it's not something you can do yourself, then you do need to call uh, someone out that can adjust these. But the rollers can be adjusted. The rollers can be replaced. You may also be at a point that some of the weather stripping that's built into the door has worn to the point that it's binding in some places. And I have seen that happen over time as these doors age. I would also suggest, and you've probably done this, that you be sure and check the track to be sure that you don't have any buildup of dirt or other residue that's down there. Now, if you've placed a, a wax coating, because there are companies that produce a wax for these doors, if you've placed something along those lines on the doors over the years, you're going to find that you've actually created a buildup that will clog the rollers and create some additional resistance on the track. I find that it creates more harm than it does good, and I don't really recommend that people use that. But the the other element is not just the track, but it has to do with the alignment of the door within the frame itself. If they are not plumb, if they're not square in that opening, they may be binding at the top more so than the bottom. Now, do these doors close? When they close all the way, do they close tightly? Are they sealing properly? Are they leaving yes. a gap? They're, it's, uh, it, they're sealing just fine, and the weather stripping's fine, and and uh, so I, I think it's the. I'm pretty sure it's the rollers. Um, maybe they've worn out. I just wondered do, if if I. Should call anybody in particular? Should I call the Pella company? Well, you might call them in your particular area to find out who a service rep is that can do installation and maintenance. You may go to their website as well. Most of these large manufacturers like Pella have a service network, and they're going to have a dealer in your area that has an individual or more than one that can come out and replace these parts. If this were a simple adjustment where you're simply adjusting a, a screw or a bolt in that, that typically is something that a homeowner can do. But if the doors have to come off and you're replacing the rollers inside, my suggestion is that you have a professional do that. Then you know that everything's put back in place. It's properly aligned. But the Pella door, again, is a very good brand, and it should give you another 30 years of service with proper maintenance and adjustment. Oh, terrific. Well, that's that's good to hear, and um, I'll try and access the Pella company then and start there. Very good. The main thing is you don't need to spring for big bucks for a new set of doors, maybe just a little new hardware. Right. Well, they're just too heavy. I'm scared to mess with them because they're just they're heavy. Yeah, I, they, I would break them if I started trying to take them off the track then you, or anything. Then you would be spending the big bucks for a new set of doors. Yes, so, sir. Thanks okay. so very much. Have a great day. Thank you for your call. 
Patricia, we appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email him questions at our website, kenthecontractor.com. We've got one of those uh, email questions now, Ken, from Allen in Virginia that deals with a topic that always seems to be of interest to our listeners, and that is energy efficiency. And it will affect every one of us. He says, I know from experience that there's only so much you can do to tighten up a big old two-story house. He goes on to tell me, we've installed new windows and doors and beefed up the insulation, and this house is still an energy hog. With the price of energy going crazy, would it actually make more sense in the long run to just buy a new home? Well, Alan, if you're looking for a new home, then I suggest you go ahead and buy a new one. Maybe you're looking for an excuse, although going to a new home doesn't guarantee the most energy-efficient home in the marketplace because not all homes are created equal. But let's talk about your current one. The the one thing that I want you to do, since you sound quite frustrated in this email, is I want you to consider hiring a qualified energy rater or evaluator, and that's R-A-T-E-R, or evaluator. These are people that are experts in the energy field. Some may be engineers. Others may be people that are specifically trained to look at energy efficiency of our homes and office buildings. You want to be sure they're properly licensed. You want to be sure they're insured. But when you hire this person, You want to have them come in and do a thorough evaluation, top to bottom, and that's what they typically do, to say, where is your home either spending money on energy and losing it? Where is it you're you're losing the heating or the cooling, for example, from inside out, or where are you gaining all of this heat in the summer months uh, in in the warmer time of the year? How's it getting into the home if you've increased all this insulation? So this energy rater or evaluator will do this by using thermal imaging cameras, They will use airflow devices. They'll determine where all of these issues are. They'll print this out. You'll have color pictures. Generally, you'll have a complete report, and you'll have some recommendations from this particular person as well. The next thing you need to do then is evaluate that. If then you determine, look, it's going to cost me $100,000 to make this home energy efficient, I'd rather put that kind of money in a new home. Clearly, that's your call. But what you may find is that it's something as simple as a dead space you've missed in the attic, and you need to add some more insulation in one location that you didn't even know existed. So consider hiring an, an expert in the field when it comes to energy rating and looking at where you're losing uh, heat and cooling in your home and get that report. I think that'll be a huge help for you. And again, this is the type of project that you don't have to do all at once. If you've got goals or areas, as you said, that you want to address, depending on the time of the year, go after that. But uh, if you've only got XYZ dollars, put it to the best uh, best use you can. Well, Alec says he has an energy hog. This is one way to slowly put it back in the pen, one step at a time. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email them questions to KenTheContractor.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Our number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Let's get back to the phone lines right now. We're going to talk a little bit of painting right now with Ivan. Ivan, hi. You're on the air with Ken. Go right ahead. Yeah, Ken, uh, I have a question about some vinyl shutters. They've uh, got some years on them, and I was wondering, can those things be painted or not? They can be, and if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I would have given you a different answer. But paint manufacturers have produced a product to paint just about anything and everything under almost any condition today, and vinyl happens to be one of those. Now, as you've heard me say multiple times on the show, 
the work is in the prep. It's not in the application. Okay. So the the shutters have probably certainly you want to paint them because they faded, but they probably also chalked a little bit too. I've seen that occur. If they haven't, you're very fortunate. But the UV light just breaks down the color that's part of these vinyl shutters. Uh, mm-hmm. The you, you need to pull them down, or if you want to leave them up, you certainly want to protect in the area around them. If you've got brick or other painted surfaces, especially, and thoroughly clean them and let them dry completely. And then you want to purchase a paint in any of the major manufacturers out there, uh, whether it's uh, Bear, Sherwin-Williams, uh, it could go on and on. Uh, they are going to have a paint designed for plastic and or vinyl. Okay. Now, when you said clean them, you do that with a particular type of cleaner or just uh, Something that's water, water it, down water or what? No. Have they chalked? Do they have a chalky residue on them? Not that much, no, but the aisle, I would assume there's probably some. Probably a little bit. So you, if you go to the paint store, they will sell you a chalky residue cleaner. And okay. it's used whether it's on vinyl, whether it would be on aluminum, uh, whether it's a painted surface on concrete block. It's designed specifically to remove the chalky residue from a surface and to prep it for paint. Okay, and, now, the paint that you get, do they, that you can get to spray or brush, either one? Yes. Now, if you've got a large quantity, uh, you're probably going to be looking at brush. If you've got one or two shutters, you're probably fine with the spray. And they do make them in spray. That They make it, for that matter, for people that have vinyl chairs on their patio and you want to change a color. You can buy that in a spray can. Oh, okay. uh, Giron and others put that in a spray can. You'll buy that at most big box stores. Just be sure it's the correct paint. But if you have okay. a large quantity, that's not gonna, that may not be practical for you. And it's a right. little easier to get a more uniform color on something as large as a shutter if you are uh-huh. brushing that on. All right. That's what I need to know. Okay. I appreciate it. Good luck with your project. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. It's uh, Jeff who joins us right now. Jeff, you're next with Ken the Contractor. Go right ahead. Good. Hi, Jeff. How can we help you today? Got a question, sir. Okay. Uh, can I say a, a composite deck stain? Will that be an issue? <laughs> no, go ahead. You say you've got a, a deck stain issue? No, I was saying we've got a composite deck oh, issue. Okay. I didn't want to say the. Oh, no, go ahead. Statement. You can just tell right. me what your issue is, and we'll see how we deal with it. All right. The way the sun is in the winter, it stays in the shade, and it's extremely slick. Is this, how new is this deck? It is. Uh, less than two years old. Okay, so you got one of the newer products that are out there. And when you say it, say, say it stays slick, this is nothing more than, I guess, the moisture that's on the surface as opposed to um, a buildup of, let's say, a, a mildew or something like that? Exactly. Okay, primary walking area for you, an exit from the house coming or going, then it's a little more serious. There are products that you can apply. It's, we were just talking paint with another caller, but paint manufacturers and companies like Quickcrete and others. Now, Quickcrete specializes in concrete and coating products, but companies that produce actually coatings, and many of the paint manufacturers do, you can apply a coating to the composite deck board in most cases. I'm, I'm going to, not just for your benefit, but for other listeners, I'm going to caution you to research the manufacturer of your particular com- composite deck and be sure it's compatible with a paint. Most are compatible with a paint or a solid stain, but I can't tell you that all of them are. If it's compatible where a, a paint would adhere to it, you can put a paint uh, or a, even a clear product that's a paint of sorts on that that has a, an aggregate. It has a sand finish to it. 
and it will roll on the surface, and when it sets up or cures, it will have a little bit of a stippled finish or a rough surface. Now, that's good and bad. It's going to make it safer if this tends to be more of a wet environment for you, not only during colder season, but even just normal rainy season, and it's a safety factor. The bad side is when you when you add a grit, when you start doing something that creates a non-smooth surface, you have a greater tendency for just normal air pollution, dirt, dust, trash to build up in that. It can be a little more difficult for you to clean. So I do want you to recognize the pro and con of that. Sure. Now, I was going to say, I'm going to give you one more item that, that's uh, even a little easier to work with, and there are products that will adhere to these smooth surfaces if they are thoroughly cleaned and dried first. You've probably seen them in commercial buildings. It looks like almost looks like an emery board that's on the nosing of steps, stair steps, and it's a non-slick product. It will adhere to those boards if they are properly cleaned, and that's going to last you for many, many years. But, again, you're creating sort of a sand finish, and it will have a tendency to collect other things and make that area a little more difficult to clean. Is there any advantage to covering this with an outdoor carpet? You certainly can do that with an outdoor carpet, uh, AstroTurf, and that's a brand name, but there are so many similar products. What will happen with the deck, though, over time, and it may not take too long, is you'll see the groove show up in that carpet. It'll look great when you first put it down. It would be a solid green or gray or just whatever the carpet color is you put down, or if you use a, a synthetic grass like an AstroTurf, not just a carpet. Unless it has an extremely thick pad or base to it, that's made for the outdoors, you'll start seeing every joint between each board. Now, if that's okay, that's that will work for you. Okay, that's what I need to know. I appreciate you. But, but that gives you some options, I hope. Thanks for your call. We appreciate you listening. Thank you, Jeff. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us, 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And we're talking about painting. And i got to share this with you all. I think you would agree that one of the most difficult things to do is to clean up a paintbrush. And that a lot of folks just buy paintbrushes and toss them out. Uh, happened to be at the, uh, recently at the Mac Events Home Show in Richmond, Virginia. And I want to credit the guy whose tip this is. He's a fellow by the name of Brian Santos. He's known as the Wall Wizard. He's been a painter for close to 30 years. My wife went to one of his workshops while I was working, uh, at the show. And he held up a paintbrush. And he said, this is the same paintbrush he has had for 25 years. I can believe that. I have some that I've had for more than 30 years. His easy way to clean paintbrushes, water and downy fabric softener. Dip it in, swish it around, and he said that paintbrush will be perfectly clean for you to get ready to go right onto your next job. I don't mind telling you. That's good to know. I've never used the downy fabric softener. There are several other things that will work, uh, but the, the traditional method is uh, typically uh, just a soap and water solution. Apparently, that has a quicker reaction than ordinary detergent does on it. So that's something I'll try. But paintbrushes, a good quality paintbrush, especially cut-in brushes and all, out of fine horsehair and other things, mm -hmm. they will set you back a pretty penny. So when you have those, those of you that have done this type painting, you hang on to them for a long time. You don't throw them off to the side. But that's why manufacturers produce just what you said, these throwaway brushes today. Right. right. Water. Because we hate cleaning our brushes. Water and downy Water fabric. Water and downy fabric softener. Yep. Let's log that one in. Let's credit the wall wizard, Brian Santos. 
That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. Or online at KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.